Hey. Let's talk about food and music, eating and grooving, munching and moving, forking and spooning, listening to tunes, yeah, dinner's on soon, and to get ready for, ready for, peanut butter and jams. You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with host Brenda and Jordy on CITR 101.9. Exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood. And a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning. The endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the host, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Hi, everybody. It's uh, peanut butter and jams with me, Jordy, and... And Brenda. Hey, Brenda. Welcome to your Thursday. Yeah, and uh, what have we got planned for them this this week? Well, uh, Jordy did a interview about the Tiffin Project, mm-hmm. which we will play very soon. The so Tiffin we're... Project uh, being a local like sustainability movement mm-hmm. that uh, you'll get more details about during the actual piece. We're also going to talk a bit about this. Uh, intense Mennonite relief sale that we went and tried a whole pile of Mennonite food. Yes, um, Brenda keyed us into it and it was we took a trek out to Abbotsford to talk about it. So I will be the insider and Jordy will be the outsider and then we've actually got some live tasting which we will not do in the studio but around the corner and then we'll run back to the microphone. And I don't know if we're going to have time, but I did go to a really good Korean restaurant that I could tell everyone about, depending on our time constraints. Fantastic. Called, called Ma Dongul. Very nice. <laughs> what an exciting, diverse show. Yes. Um, so let's just go into a song. This is by the Cracklin, who actually played live at lunch today, didn't they? Mm-hmm. You can go to our special events podcast page and hear the live broadcast. So, yeah, this is the Cracklin, and uh, you may recognize this song.
to CITR 101.9 FM that was The Cracklin um, off of their EP Ashen and uh, if you didn't recognize it that was a cover of Suicide is Painless from the MASH soundtrack Kenton Lowen is a regular in Vancouver's music scene drumming with Dan Mangan and former drummer of Mother Mother so this is his solo project so it's a pretty good solo project Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go into a piece that I did with, uh, where I interviewed Hunter Moyes, who is the organizer of the Tiffin Project. And uh, so give it a listen. It'll all be explained if you're wondering what a Tiffin is. Hmm, some technical difficulties. Let me just get that started again. Ah, Brenda. Yeah. Tell us more about The Crackling. Well, The Crackling, they've put out uh, two albums so far. The Crackling, actually, if we want to revert back, this is not why the album was named The Crackling, but the, the Cracklings happen to be a Mennonite food. Are they the pork fat leftover when you render pork fat? Yeah, and then crackling the little delicious. the little crackly bits of the pork fat that you put on bread. I have never tried them. They're really great. Really? You should try them. When yeah. have you tried them, Jordy? When I render my pork fat at home. At home? You render pork fat at home? It's very easy to do. Maybe I'll tell you about it on a show sometime. Maybe you should do that. Okay, Um. Uh, it's, it's working now, so... Okay. Uh, everybody ready? This is a piece on the different project. Uh, hi, it's Jordy uh, from Peanut Butter and Dance, and I am here with Hunter Moyes. Yes. Um, from the Tiffin Project. And uh, why don't you tell everyone what, what what is the Tiffin Project? Well, the Tiffin Project is an initiative that uh, is using Vancouver's restaurant community to reduce the metropolitan area's waste, mm -hmm. specifically to do with takeout packaging. And we're raising money through the sale of the unit, which we're trying to replace that packaging with. We're driving that money back into the local economy, buying local produce with the restaurants. So using the restaurants to funnel that local produce back into the consumer world. When you say the unit, could you describe it to, for our listeners? Yes. There are two different units. Um, both are food-grade stainless steel. They are watertight. They clamp at the sides. Uh, one is 1.1 liters, and it's more of a bowl shape for stuff like, um, you know, let's say Chinese food or, or noodles. Noodle box is a good example, or pho. <laughs> 
and the other one is a little more stout. It's uh, got a larger diameter, and it has a removable partition in the inside. So that's better for food court type stuff or Indian or mm -hmm. sharing stuff like Nuba. And so these things will not leak? No. You can turn them upside down, throw them in the bottom of your bag, you don't have to worry about it. You see this sort of thing at Indian restaurants? There, this, the, the unit is... It has a bunch of different origins. Obviously, every culture has had a takeout container or a, a non-disposable container of some sort at one point in history. Um, but the tiffin unit, the tiffin is an Indian word, mm -hmm. it, which means light fare. Um, the tiffin unit of India is mostly associated with the culture of India because right. they have a delivery system there that's existed for quite a long time. And their units are traditionally big stand-up cylinders with three compartments. Mm -hmm. Um, where can you find one of these different if you want to get involved and how much does it cost? Well, you can find them at Noodle Box. Um, Harvest Union is a good place to pick one up on Main Street, so that's kind of Strathcona. Both Noodle Boxes, so the one in Kitts and the one downtown, and then three of the Nuba locations, so right. the downtown, the West Broadway, and the Third and Main location. Are those the only restaurants involved, or are there... No, no, no. There are about 11 locations involved now, and since the media that we did last week, I have about 15 to 20 pending. I um, saw one at Choices the other day. Are they selling them as well? The Choices may be unrelated? selling. You may, it might be, may be unrelated. The woman who I got involved with for the containers, which are made by Onyx Containers, you can look those up online, uh, she's a local, and she's, so before we met, she sold them around the city. Right. Um, if you brought um, a tiffin in, you would get a discount at one of these locations? Correct. So if you bring one of my tiffins into Noodle Box, you get a dollar off your meal. Um, there's a specialized menu at Nuba, which has reduced prices. Uh, at Harvest Union, they obviously won't charge you for the takeout containers, which mm -hmm. they previously did, and give you a quarter off. So every restaurant accommodates it a little differently, but yeah, it is a, it's a positive incentive thing, and you're offered a discount on your meal for bringing it in. Um, would, I assume some of these places would offer a discount whether you brought anything in or... No. Only for the tiffin? It's, it's just my unit. So what's the, what's the advantage of getting the tiffin, um, like what, like giving the money to your organization as opposed to just buying some Tupperware and bringing it in? Well, you could. I mean, we don't... Well, obviously, this is a waste reduction initiative, right? So I'm not going to poo-poo anybody that wants to uh, bring in their own unit. But um, with the discounts, some of the money from that goes involved in the discount Correct. gets re returned back to the community so, in some way? So the units are $25, and $4 from the sale of that goes directly into a fund that is being used to subsidize the purchasing of local produce by the restaurant partners. Right. So if, if you buy these and you get involved in the discounts, every time you buy it, some money will go back into the local food movement. Yep. Yeah. Um, what sort of suppliers do these restaurants use? Are they like mostly farmers from Valley? Or? Well, right now, most restaurants, and this is the thing that um, kind of spurred me into creating the project, most restaurants depend on large-scale distributors like GFS or Cisco. These are multinational names. Mm -hmm. And they do not source um, much of their ingredients at all from local suppliers. They take um, stuff from Mexico, Chile, you know, other parts of South America, California. Um, because uh, currently all these ingredients from these places come at a, a lesser cost than our local goods. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that our economics work right now. Is that how you got the idea to start the organization? Yeah. yeah. Because eventually we're going to have to be food self-sufficient as a metropolitan area. This is a concern that a lot of North American cities have right now. 
Um, so right now, there's a big gap between cheap imports and expensive local produce. But as the cost of logistics increases with the cost of energy over the, over the coming years, slowly that gap is going to decrease. And then, obviously, we won't be getting stuff from Mexico and Chile. We're going to have to be entirely self-dependent. So in the meantime, uh, the Tiffin Project, in doing what it does, is going to be establishing the relationships that we'll have to inevitably form. Great. Do you, do you happen to know how much waste Vancouver produces in... I think takeout containers were... Um, you can look this up online. It was included in a couple articles recently. Mm -hmm. um, the, the one in the Vancouver Sun most recently. Um, but it's something like 25,000 tons of waste in the greater Vancouver area every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, have you had a lot of success from businesses? Have they been fairly receptive? Yeah, no. I've, um, project? If I had more volunteers to uh, to get out there and knock on doors, I would have a lot more restaurants. But as of right now, this is just my, my side project. So it's entirely the, rest the restaurants that I have relationships with. Um, if a restaurant listening wanted to get involved, how would they get in touch with you? They could just contact me through the website. There's a little contact page. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter or even Facebook. And the website address is? Uh, www.thetiffinproject.com. And Tiffin is spelled T-I-F-F-I-N. That's correct. Yeah. Um, do you help um, restaurants find suppliers in, yeah. in this system? Right now, we're in a stage where we're raising money for the harvest season of 2013. Right. Because the harvest season of this year is more or less over. So... Um, What's that going to like community support agriculture projects or it really depends similar? on the restaurant. So each restaurant that sells them gets eighty percent of the money that they generate, the subsidy money, the four dollars. Right. They get that back straight away. And twenty percent of that goes into a pool that's going to be funneled off into the different restaurants, some of which can't sell them because they don't have storage space or whatever. Right. So one thing we've thought of doing is going after large crops of one single ingredient. Mm -hmm. So let's say the difference between local eggplant and imported eggplant is one dollar per right. pound, and we raise four thousand dollars for that one restaurant. It's four thousand pounds of eggplant. Four thousand pounds of eggplant. Now that represents a certain amount of farmland, mm -hmm. and it represents also a window in the season where eggplant is in season for about three or four months. Right. So that's one approach. That really depends on how much money we can generate. Does it also depend on what organizations are involved too, like what sort of stuff they have in their menus? Or yes. Or? The menu is the most important thing when we're dealing with this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's, I mean, Noodle Box is an interesting example because they have a lot of Asian greens, right? Right. And so right now, I know that Richmond, I know some of the farmers down there, they're doing a lot of really interesting stuff mm -hmm. uh, trying to grow Asian greens here so we can lessen our dependence on those specific imports. But obviously, it's a much harder game, and because they're producing lower volumes, the margin um, right. that we're talking about bridging here uh, is is that much greater, so right. it's that much harder. But otherwise, for smaller restaurants, I'll be going after CSA programs. So I'll probably link back into the community mm -hmm. with stuff like uh, Fresh Roots Organics, right, um, or Soul Foods, or you know, a comparable CSA type model, yeah. and just get buy out green boxes for you know the duration of the harvest season for one of my restaurants. Right. So really depends on how much money. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good system so far. How have sales been on the... Sales have been pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, you know, we haven't gone out of our way to spend money on marketing or print materials. It's obvious mm -hmm. print materials is something I want to really avoid.
avoid. Right. Um, obviously, this is an environmental initiative. I have to have some stuff out there, like the, the bare minimum. I've rounded everything down into infographics, which seem to be resonating pretty well. Um, but the bottom line is, yeah, we're, we're moving the units considerably now, and at the same time, we're seeing them come back and we're seeing them being used. So that's mm -hmm. the, the ideal scenario. Oh, well, that's pretty great. Yeah. I, I wish you the best. Thank you very much. And thanks for talking to me. Cheers. No problem. Rifflandia is back for its fifth year from September 13th to 16th. Rifflandia will be taking over downtown Victoria with nine stages and almost 120 bands, from Cake, Band of Skulls, to The Flaming Lips, The Head in the Heart, Mother Mother, and so much more music that will go all day long. There are also activities for kids in Kidlandia, as well as Artlandia, a bike check-in, a beer garden, and food vendors. For more information on lineup, scheduling, and tickets, check out rifflandia.com.
lot of things you're not allowed to grow in your basement in Vancouver. Vegetables are not one of those things. SPEC and the YWCA are excited to introduce the Urban Farmer Field School. The UFFS provides hands-on training in sustainable agriculture, small farm business planning, and community food action. Class instructors are experts in urban agriculture, food systems, and plant mind control. The integrated curriculum is divided between classroom theory and practical learning. For more information, please visit the interweb and search for Farmer Field School at spec.bc.ca. And welcome back. Uh, that was an ad for farmers. I like farmers. Me too. And we just heard a track from a local band, Twin River. I like them a lot. I do too. They were mixed by Malcolm Jack, who plays in Capital Six, and we're going to play them a little later in the show. Um, What else do we have to say about Twin River? Anything? What Um, what track? What track did we play? We played uh, Can't Keep This Alive, um, which is off their EP, Rough Gold. So what are we going to talk about next, Jordy? Um, Well, next, uh, I think we are going to talk a little bit about this uh, Mennonite food festival that we went to it's true is now the time um is it unless you would like to play another song first or something oh wait 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 we were gonna i am talk- doing things all out of order <laughs> um I'm now is the time to, to talk about rifflandia to do wink wink nudge nudges across yeah. the studio don't do that just say what you want to talk about <laughs> uh well i wasn't sure if we were morphing into something else uh we were gonna play a track from a band that's headlining Rifflandia because uh, Rifflandia is a pretty cool festival. I went a couple years ago and had a great time. Since then, it's really ballooned, and the uh, the size of their headliners has has expanded greatly. And we'll tell you some of those bands: uh, the Flaming Lips, Cake, Mother Mother, DJ Shadow, the Head and the Heart. Uh, Sloan is playing. Very exciting. There's also a lot of Vancouver bands that are quite good. Uh, Good for Grapes, Grand Analog, Humans. Who else? Can you scroll down? Brastronaut, um, Ants and Uncles, uh, Hay Ocean, uh, The Matinee, uh, the Leah Abrams, or sorry, the Abramson singers, not the Leah, uh, Portage in Maine, Jordan Clausen. Uh, lots of great local bands. White Lung. So there's a lot of the Vicious Cycles, a lot of great bands, and it's a really fun festival. Victoria is beautiful, so if we, you we have nothing... We the local ones. There's also tons of non-local ones. Tons of non-local, so if you're interested in oh, going... Oh, Dan Mangan? How did we forget Dan Mangan? I did say that. Oh, okay, good. Uh, he is going to... Uh, sorry. Um, let's... Uh, Riflandia, if you're interested and you have nothing to do this weekend, then hop on a ferry and go to Riflandia, because it's going to be it's great. Victoria? And uh, when you get back, you can go straight to Oleo Festival, which we will tell you a little bit about later on in the show. Later on in the show, yes. Um, did you have a particular band that you wanted to play for this? Uh, I think we're going to play a Brastronaut song. Oh, that that fits well for Rifle- uh, for uh, Oleo too. Perfect. A little. We'll just morph right in to the next festival. <laughs>
And uh, that was Braspjanaut. And uh, they will be playing at Riflandia, which uh, we actually misspoke. Riflandia, they're not headlining at Riflandia, they're playing, but they are headlining at the Oleo Festival, which will be happening in Vancouver, right after Riflandia, starting on the 19th. Smooth. That was smooth. Thank you. Um, Oleo Festival is a celebration of music, art, comedy, uh, skateboarding fashion. Yeah. It's like just kind of a general culture thing with an emphasis on skateboarding. It's a pretty good festival. And it's in town. It's in town, yes. And uh, Brastronaut, uh, Julie Duran, Lady uh, Hawk with an E. Not not the garage Lady Hawk, but the poppy Lady Hawk. Mm-hmm. Um, Father John Misty, Teen Days, No Sinner. Dylan Francis. Uh, yep, there are. There's all a playing. lot of great comedy events. I know this. Uh, this is that. Is hap- uh, the CBC show is going to be doing a performance, um, as will Stop Podcasting Yourself and the Sunday Service. There's some events at China Cloud, which will be, which are usually pretty good comedy, pretty good comedy venue. Um, is there any shows that you were excited about, Brenda? Yes, 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 I am excited. I would like to see Father John Misty at some point. Father and John Misty will be playing at Venue. Uh, and Julie Dwaron is on playing. On the 22nd. It's always great. Brastronaut, who we just played, they always put on a fantastic show. Yeah, they'll be playing at the Rickshaw on, also on also on Saturday. Oh, no, Yoko is playing at the Cobalt on Saturday. I never tire of seeing them play. Yeah, they're pretty great live. I'm also really excited about comedy these days, so I'm going to try and check out some comedy. Local comedy. Who knew? Although for all that, all that great stuff, they're not really doing any food events. No. Boo. Boo. Get on the program, guys. Why um, won't someone have a show that's geared towards our radio program? Our radio program specifically. Exactly. Uh, oh, I also I forgot to mention they are also doing uh, film. Uh, they're showing a few movies, including FDR American Badass, which sounds like Abraham Lincoln Van- Vampire Hunter if it was made by different people about a different president. Wow. It looks stunning. There also is uh, art happening, art and fashion. So if you haven't uh, gone out to see any local artists, you should check that out and buy something. Everyone should buy a piece of art. Are you going to buy a piece of art, Brenda? I really thought about it the other day. So. I almost bid on a at a at the Fringe Festival auction. I but almost, you didn't. Well, no, I didn't. You're not even following your own advice. I know, I, but I did. I am planning to buy a piece of art in the next one to two years. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. Why don't we play a song, and when we come back, we'll talk all about this Mennonite Food Festival. Okay, great. What song are we going to play? We are going to play Grass Baskets by Man Your Horse. Great. They do math rock.
that was Man Your Horse off of their EP Shorts. Uh, that song is called Grass Baskets. So, Brenda. Mm-hmm. Tell us what we are we are going to be talking about this Mennonite Food Festival. How did you hear about it? Well, and what is it officially called? It's called the Mennonite Central Committee Relief Sale. Uh, I've been going to events like this since I was born, pretty much. My heritage is Mennonite, so I took it upon myself to drag uh, to drag Jordy and several uh, other friends to experience Mennonite food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hosted at the Tradex in Abbotsford, because most of the Mennonites in BC are concentrated in Abbotsford, which... Um, it was a huge event. I had no idea how big it would be. Um, Describe it, Jordy. It, the Trade X is a... I don't know if you've been to the Trade X in Abbotsford, but it is about the size of the Vancouver Convention Center. It's where they have the air show. Yeah, it's gigantic. Um, it's a re- really, really big building, and the building is completely filled with... Um, it's divided into, like, four quarters. One quarter is all food and, like, tables for people to eat at. One quarter is, like, a big thrift sale. Um... One quarter was more food and a kid's area. And then one quarter was an auction that auctioned off. Yeah, um, silent and live auction. Silent and live auction that had stuff like there was a wooden rocking llama. There was a lot of <laughs> a lot of Mennonite quilts. Mm-hmm. Um, some motorhomes, some furniture. Yep. I bought a quilt. Did you buy a quilt? It got marked down, and so I sprung for it. How much was it? It was $100. $100. Which is pretty crazy. The there are sales like this across the country and the one in um the one in Hamburg, Ontario sells quilts for like tens of thousands of dollars. Quilt quilt hunters and quilt collectors will go mm-hmm. uh, like fly into the sale to to bid like tens of thousands quilts. of dollars on these quilts, which is is pretty amazing. Is the quality of the quilts better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's no offense to the Abbotsford quilt makers. For sure, they were really nice, but it's a it's a whole different scene over there in Ontario in the quilting scene. Uh, so uh, yeah, so the food quarter there's a, there were at least uh, twenty to twenty five different food yes um, stations. You would buy like food tickets, and then you would just kind of go around and stand in line and get things. Um, there were a lot of things. There were some things that I was pretty familiar with that. I don't think anyone would really be that impressed with stuff. There was some Panago pizza. Um, <laughs> there was some sushi that looked crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some African samosas. Yeah, there was some samosas. Oh, the African snacks plain, looked good. Plantain chips, yeah. But, but there was also a huge amount of Mennonite food that was things like Mennonite sausage and a, like a homemade bun. And... Um, like borscht, there was, there was a, ca- a, a cabbage borscht. There was veronique, which is a variation on pierogies that we'll get into more detail a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was there? There's those donut things. What are they called? Yeah, these donuts called porzilcha. There was watermelon and roll cooking, which are deep fried dough. Um, you could get pie and ice cream. Mm-hmm. You could get pork roast on a bun. Yeah, there was a. I think there was a bison burger. Eisenberger. There was um, some sort of fruit. 
juice. Uh, fruit soup. Fruit soup. Which we're actually going to taste uh, later today on the show. Yes, I didn't, I didn't try it there, but <clears throat> Brenda has brought some for me to try today. Um, so stay tuned for that a little bit later. Um, yeah, it, that part was pretty crazy. There was... I thought the auction was actually, like, one of the more entertaining things. Really? Why? I don't know. Small town auctions are fun. Really? There's lots of weird things that you wouldn't bid bid on anywhere. People can just bid on, like, a a station wagon. Not a station wagon. um, A motorhome. A motorhome. Yeah. Yeah. And there was three motorhomes up for auction. Pretty crazy. I went inside one of them. It looked like it was pretty new. Have you ever thought of owning a motorhome? I don't have a driver's license. Oh, yeah, that's a major hurdle. Well, a semi. Maybe if I had, if I I could buy, I had a bike hitch that could hang on to the motorhome, I could like pull it behind my bike. Yeah, you might need to lift some weights first. No yeah. disrespect intended. I got. Have you, I don't know if you've seen my thighs. <laughs> I have not ripped. seen your thighs. <laughs> For everyone listening at home, I have not seen Jordy's thighs. Uh, yeah, so those are our main impressions of the sale. The sale does r- raise money for international development and relief, so um, all goes to good good work. I, I bought uh, a purse that was originally a leather jacket and two bags of pierogies and a quilt and then went to the thrift store and bought more stuff. But yes, um, those those were our impressions. We'll play a couple songs and then yeah. come back and talk about the food in more detail. Sure, that sounds great. This is uh, our old friend Tyrannohorse off of their new EP.
15th, come and see the Low Five Freaky Surf Psych Punks, the Crystal Swells, at the Astoria Pub at 9769 East Hastings. With them will be the Bad Weather California, the Lovely Bad Things, and the Courtney's. Tickets are $8 and available at Highlight, Red Cat, Neptune, and Zulu Record, or online at northerntickets.com. Doors open at 9.30. All the portos are sold out. All the portos are sold out. And that was the sound of the port. Of the MCC sound, the announcements. I spent a long time trying to record announcements with my sound recorder. And um, yes, the word is Portselcha. Portselcha, and it was sold out. And when it sold out, there were some people who were upset. There was a lot of people in line. It was a very long line. Portselcha is, again, Mennonite donuts. Yeah, they're these round, sort of thick donuts with raisins, and people eat them on New Year's. It's also this, also in September. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually supposed to bring some home for my dad, and then they were sold out. So I was also very disappointed and a bad daughter. But yeah, they're pretty dense donuts, and they end up pretty dark, and they're bigger. Do they have raisins in them. Bigger than a Timbit, and they have raisins. Mm. I'm not a big fan of raisins, but and then you dip them in icing sugar. And uh, Ben Lai has joined us. He was also yes. there. They were bigger than I thought. Because when you said, in my mind, I thought they were like Timbits. But they were bigger than, don't, isn't, wasn't it? The they size? were like, like a base, size. Yeah. Bigger than a baseball, weren't they? No. No? No. Because you get them in bags of six or seven. Okay. But yeah, they were um, maybe a, larger than a golf ball. Like a tennis ball? Mm, between a golf ball and a tennis ball. Yeah. But they're kind of lumpy. Like, they're not super smooth. Hmm. Anyways, um, donuts. Did neither of you tasted them? No, no, we didn't. Let's talk about something we all got to eat. Okay. Um, the the Ver- Veronique. Veronique. <laughs> Veronique. I still can't pronounce it. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce it. And and the spelling. Who, no one knows how. To I know how to spell it. V e r o n i k e. Really? Yeah, that's how they spelled spelled it. Oh, I think different Just, people spell yeah. it different ways. Probably written. I took a picture a of the menu, dialect. so. Yeah, you'll need to post that to our Facebook page. It's, yeah, I think I didn't think there was an E in it. Sorry, I thought there was like E's in it instead of O. Anyways, th- yeah. that doesn't matter. Anyway, so um, I, I've eaten many of these, and this is actually the main reason why I go back to the sale, is to eat as many Vereniki as I can in a small period of time. A Vereniki is a lot like a pierogi, um, but the filling is slightly different. Mm-hmm. And the... Um, they're slathered in <laughs> this white gravy. Yeah. Um, what, what what is that gravy, Brenda? Describe it to it's us. It's a cream gravy. It's essentially a white sauce with salt and pepper, and then they add in the fat from the farmer sausage. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it tastes like a, it tastes like a white gravy, like you get in like southern food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's um, very good, very yeah. rich and thick. And the pierogies are filled with dry cottage cheese. And they cook them in this giant vat that we saw that was, like, as big as you could reach around, like, and still maybe have your fingers touching. If These big barrels. Yeah, in these, like, basically a barrel that of oh, boiling... Boiling oil. Was it oil or water? I'm pretty sure it was water. Oh, water. Sorry. Yeah. That's the... 
that's the roll cook and the mm. porzo trago and the oil. But, um, <laughs> yes, did you, uh, and so the taste, like the progies have a bit of a sour taste and, and just a slightly, um, more rubbery texture than, mm-hmm. than a Ukrainian progy. What, the gravy what? was really good. It was good. They were a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. And I would say that almost everything we had there could have used a little bit more salt. <laughs> yeah, Mennonite food is generally pretty bland. Very bland. Yeah. Bring bring your own salt shaker. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't mind. I'm not a salt guy. Usually I think everything has too much salt. So to me, it was actually good. Uh-huh. Well, Mixed or, or, or I could have, I just thought I could have used like salt or a spice. Or. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I can see. But, you know, it's, it wasn't gravy. It's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Marlis's family, um, my... My old roommate, she they have rhubarb sauce, so there's even a, like a sour kick to it to when, like put on their pierogies. Yeah. Wow. So then that it's not a spice or a salt, but it's uh, like anything I've ever tasted. Before. Rhubarb <laughs> sauce. Yeah. Anyways, so the farmer sausage was pretty excellent, though. The Mennonite farmer sausage is like a giant sausage, <laughs> the size of like one of those coils you might see mm-hmm. of garlic sausage at a grocery store. But they don't put garlic in. It's just really plain you could get sausage. Garlic in. You could. That is an aberration. You could <laughs> buy garlic farmer sausage at the sale, but um, there actually was a, a farmer we, we sausage. Some normal. Oh, you bought some normal sausage to bring home. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, there was an article a year or so ago in McLean's about farmer sausage, and everyone argues about whose small town makes the best farmer sausage, and. People will bring it home for Christmas from Saskatchewan, well, like a whole suitcase full. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it's a big deal. What were the other types of specifically Mennonite food that we had? I, I did have some borscht. It was a cabbage-based borscht. Um, is that traditional for Mennonites to not have beets in their borscht? Yeah, yeah. Usually it's cabbage-based, usually kind of an orange color. Um, so, my mom made beet borscht once, and we all refused to eat it. And then she put it down the carburetor, and then it backed up into our washing machine, which was pretty awesome. I still remember this. But there were no clothes in the washing machine, which was good. Otherwise, we'd have bright pink laundry. Uh, yeah. And the yeah, the borscht was pretty good. I, oh, I liked it. Was, was it? Was it okay? It, I didn't try. I it. liked it. It it was like okay. I said. Like I said, it reminded me yeah. of like Hong Kong style borscht. It, it had a light broth, but <laughs> yeah. like a lot of ingredients in yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's okay. pretty nice. Yeah. And then uh, we all had some pie, of course, which is pretty standard. Yeah, the pie was pretty was standard. Okay. I, yeah, you won't go wrong, but mm-hmm. it wasn't special. Yeah, it was it was made by many many grandmas, but so it wasn't store bought pie. But it, it you know it wasn't amazing pie. Uh, the other thing we didn't try, which is pretty traditional, is watermelon and rollkuchen. Yeah, I saw a lot of people walking around with it. So this is sort of a traditional summer meal. You've had this before, though, correct? Many times. Describe it. Uh, so you buy a huge watermelon, usually from Texas. I think they used to grow them in Russia or the Ukraine, and that's why this is traditional. No watermelon came from Eastern Europe. Yeah, I don't know. They must have had it, or how would it have become a tradition? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Um, so huge, like, 40-pound watermelons, and then you take uh, this thin dough and make... Uh, 
a thin strip and uh, and then you make a cut and then you twist it. So it, it ends up being a, kind of the shape of a bow tie and then you deep fry them and then you dip them in uh, Roger's golden syrup and eat them with watermelon. And this is a summer meal. So it's kind of weird because it's the cool watermelon, but you have to spend like three hours over a boiling pot of oil to get to make them. Right. Yeah. And uh, the the deep fried things, they mm-hmm. how big are they? Um, it depends how big you cut them, but anywhere from like five to ten inches. And so they're more long than they are. Thick. Yeah. So they're about two to three inches wide. <laughs> yes. Uh, imagine a, a long thin rectangle, and then you put a slit through it, and then fold it, like, mm-hmm. and then you turn it in so it kind of rem- resembles a bow tie. Okay. Yes. And do you have this every summer? Um, try to. Yeah, I. It's the funny thing because when you move out of your parents, then you know, then you have to start making these things too, mm-hmm. and unless you go home on the right day. But I don't think my mom has done this in a while. But um, my friends and I, we used to do this once or twice a summer and then have a lot of people over. And sometimes a bottle of vodka would end up in the watermelon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's variations on the theme, right? Um, do you want to play another song and then we can maybe do the taste test? Ben, do you want to join me for the taste test? What's going on with the taste test? Sure. What, what describe what we're going to be tasting just uh, quickly? Well, this is an, another Mennonite dish. It's called pluma mousse, oh, no. and it's uh, essentially <laughs> a bunch of fruit in a in the juices of the fruit. So it's, it it's, looks it looks not like very appetizing <laughs> murky swamp. It, it looks, looks like murky swamp great. water. Except in a kind of a with kind of a plum colored yeah plum colored murky soup with chunky fruit swimming in it of different sizes and uh, often the fruit is dried and then put into the soup so they're kind of wrinkly and weird anyway so we're going to test this and then tell you all about it but first we're going to play a song what song are we going to play Jordy? he's concentrating very hard would you hold it underwater I could swim through the words that you
Jordy. Who is who is that? That was Bowen Antler off of their album Gather Frolic. I'm sorry for cutting you off. I'd already started it when, when you asked the question. Just letting me ramble on um, the radio. On the radio, over top of the song. Um, that song was called Barbara Bud. Um, I don't know a lot about Bowen Antler, except that they have pictures of themselves with antlers. Nice. In, the, this, in their liner notes. Uh, so this is um, now we're at the taste test portion of of the show, and uh, we're tasting something called Plumamoose. Can you describe it, Jordy and Ben? Um, well, it looks like kind of a thick syrup with um, there's lumps that are clearly um, really yeah. old looking plums, <laughs> <laughs> and some raisins that are have swollen with syrup. And an apricot, apparently. What else? What did you find in yours? I had strawberry. There was a strawberry in Ben's. So yeah. it's like a. This is a. It, I, it's ostensibly a dessert. It tastes like it would be good with other things. Like ice cream. Like ice cream, or like maybe some yogurt. Oh, that's. Yeah, like the. It kind of tastes. It's, it tastes a little bit like a weird pie filling. Yeah. The syrup kind of tastes like apricot juice more than any other fruit, but it is kind of a fruit cocktail. Mm-hmm. It tastes it like what you think. You, you just throw a bunch of dry fruit in it and just, just let it soak. If you just put a bunch of fruit in a can <laughs> and, and yeah. let it soak for a really long time, it does feel mm-hmm. like, what it will taste like. Yeah, it's kind of like fruit cocktail, but maybe not as like a real, like a natural Natural, cocktail. yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't like fruit cocktails, so to me it's like, all right. It's okay. Like I wouldn't. I can have it, but I, I think wouldn't. it's good. I, I would have it again. It's. I def. I definitely eat it. My grandma makes it. I would probably have it for like breakfast. Really? Yeah. yeah usually it's a dessert, and it's not usually mixed I with anything. Think it would be a very good dessert. It's not. As a little girl, I thought it was really strange. I would still eat it, but it it just it was kind of just weird because there was all these different sized floating lumps of fruit in it. So it's always very strange. I used to, it's called pluma mouse or pluma moose. So I'd always, ima- I always thought the little floaty pieces kind of looked like little rodents and that kind of, <laughs> like mouse droppings. Kind of grossed me out. No, like a furry dead mouse. Oh, oh like that. Yeah. Anyways, so. I can um, see that. That was our little ramble about Mennonite food. If you do get the chance, I would, th- I would say it was a pretty fun experience yep. to go out to the. The Mennonite Food Festival. Brenda, how, if someone wanted to do that, how would they know when to do it? That's a very good question. 
Is there a website that you heard about it through? or um, There is a, I think it's mcc.org is the organization that uh, puts it on that uh, all the money goes towards. And, and they do really good work abroad um, and in Canada. So you could probably find out uh, all the sales and where they're located and the dates off the website. Jordy's just checking that out mm. now. It's the fair once a year. Yeah, the fair is once a year, usually the first weekend in September. Okay. Um, I dare say you could go on the Tradex website and check it out there as well. I'm not seeing anything here, but it might just be because they're mostly talking about their aid work here as opposed to their mm-hmm. events. Yeah, so keep an eye out on in September. Maybe um, just uh, ask your friends in Abbotsford. Yeah. They'll know. The, it's, it's too big an event for anyone in Abbotsford to not know. know it's happening. It's true. I don't know anywhere where you can get um, Mennonite produce in Vancouver. You can get the farmer sausage at, uh, uh, what's that green grocery store? Choices. No, the one by Nanaimo and Broadway. Is it Save Nanaimo on Foods? Donald's? No. Wait. Oh, no, that like Canadian Superstore. Superstore. Oh, Superstore. So you okay. can get uh, Winkler Farmer Sausage. Uh, she means green. Like, <laughs> All green. It's physically green. I know, it's like green. Physically green. <laughs> yeah, but um, you may also know MCC because they started 10,000 Villages. So there's a, a easy connection that people in the city can recognize. Anyways... What yeah. are we going to play next? Um, why don't we play a song... While we've got Ben in here, why don't we play a song from the most recent Shindig winners, uh, Shadows. The, uh, ben, <laughs> yes. how was Shindig? <laughs> it was great. It was tons of fun. We were, we were all there. I'm asking <laughs> Ben to do the describing because it's, it's his event. Ben Lai is the host. Shindig, Shindig. just started uh, this week, first night. Um, yeah, it's a... It's a I don't know. It's a good start to the event. I think the winning band a lot of people like. They call Shadows. They are from. I don't know where they're from actually. They're they're from Vancouver. Yeah, they're from Vancouver, and they're they're some of them are young. There are two they're, of them. They're very young. I'm looking yeah. at a picture of them right now. And two of them are uh, under the drinking age, I believe. I would believe it. Yeah, and uh, they sort of. What about the first band that played? Were they the also first band is also yeah underage? the first band is also underage. That, I saw them drinking was, beer. Uh, them? <laughs> don't don't get the railway <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> but I told them I I didn't because I I saw their friends do it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Never mind. Because yeah. I keep confusing because all the, there's like five kids and then they sort of look alike. They have the they're all skinny kids. They're all skinny kids who <laughs> with look like, like a, they play in a with band. like a yeah pretty much. <laughs> Uh, it was fun. I don't know what else to say about it. Jokes or beer was horrible. What can I say? Oh, there was a good, there was a good Ben Lai Ben Lai joke. Oh God, I can't say it on the air. Yeah. but uh, if you want to hear jokes at the expense of Ben Lai, I would recommend coming yeah. to Shindig. Yeah. But uh, uh, next week great. should be interesting. Yeah, we're doing this for another twelve more weeks. Should be Who's fantastic. Next week? next week we have the Nomadics and uh, Sean Stibberts and also Teapot Hill. Cool. Yeah, which is going to be the first show in a year or something. And Sean played in Shindig twice already with different bands. So does that mean he's going to win? <laughs> um, I don't know. He played a long, long time ago. He played it in like 2001. And Sean who? Sean Stibbert. Stibbert, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. He hasn't played in a while in Shindig, so it's probably been five, six, seven years before since he played. So. Well, let's listen to the winner of 
last Tuesday's shindig. This is Shadows, and I will admit that this song is actually fairly... I, I think they played it, but this song is look like one of their quieter ones. They don't have any of their songs that they... Or at least the heavy style that yeah. they had going at Shindig. They seriously rocked out. They rocked. They rocked out. Yeah. And they Shindig? they don't have any of the songs where they rocked out online. At least as far as I can tell. I think most of these songs are just really gentle versions of the same ones that they played. Possibly. Yeah. This song is called "I Was 194." Just night 
here on News 101. Right here on News 101. Right here on News 101. What motivated you to become a candidate in the provincial election? The media portrayal of last week's protest that resulted in polarizing images of black-clad activists taking to the streets. He was just explaining to us the reason why they wanted to show this film on campus. The official stance is that we are for the Olympics. News 101 reporter Brad Pepping was there. By discriminating against homeless people in Vancouver, there's a disproportionate impact on Aboriginal people as well as people with disabilities. I was pretty outraged. I mean, it's, it is outrageous. In-depth coverage from an alternative perspective. News 101 is Vancouver's only live, volunteer-produced student and community newscast, bringing you local, national, and international news from an alternative perspective. Tune in Mondays and Fridays at 5 p.m. right here on CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Live streaming and podcasts are available online at citr.ca. found that canned ham and I put it in a pot of boiling water and guess what I'm calling it? Soup? Hot ham water. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Nourishing radio. Mm. So watery. And yet there's a smack of ham to it. Saturday, October 27th. Union Events presents Alan Stone live in concert with special guests Kingsek and Yuna at the Vogue Theatre. Stone mixes elements of pop with soul and gospel into a soul-soothing sound. So don't miss his last Canadian tour stop. Tickets are $20 and can be purchased in advance through Zulu Records or online at unionevents.com or vogue-theater.com. Doors open at 7. All ages are welcome. Good morning, blues. Blues, how do you do? Good morning, Blues Blues, how do you do? I'm doing all right Good morning, how about you? Good morning
Hi, my name is Carrie Sirwetnikin. I'm a former national team soccer player and founder of Why the Women's World Cup Matters. In 2015, Canada will be hosting the Women's World Cup. Most of us understand the positive impact soccer and sports has on girls. In fact, girls and women average 47% of the playing population. They pay 47% of salaries in the soccer industry. They represent millions of dollars to advertisers at professional clubs. Yet less than 1% are represented in decision-making or professional opportunities on and off the field across our country. We think this is unfair. To learn more and see how you can make a difference by joining our campaign or donating towards projects that will make an impact, visit our website, whythewomensworldcupmatters.com. It's time for a major change in how girls are treated here in Canada and around the world. The Women's World Cup does matter. And uh, that was an ad, but before that was City Real and Wes Mackey off uh, their local local rappers off of their album Good Morning Blues, and that was the title track. It's a pretty good album, all, all in all. They're good producers and good good flow. If you like that sort of thing, check it out. We did. We did like it. We all liked it. We all commented on it. Um, um. We have our pairing. The coming week, which is part of the Olio Festival. So the show we are recommending is on Friday, September 21st at the Billmore Cabaret. We really need to branch out and have more venues because then we can expand our restaurant reach. But so far there's been lots of restaurants close to the Biltmore, so we've been uh, fairly we fortunate. We haven't had to repeat any yet. So the show starts, um, I believe, we think, that you can get into... Pay one ticket for all night because there's two segments to the night. It starts with the International Sketch Showcase featuring the Sunday service, Charles Demers, Pump Charlie, and Peter and Chris. And then it's followed by a nice music lineup, Twin River, who we played earlier, mm-hmm. Julie Doron, Sarah Luddy AVJ Installation. So you'll get some art in the middle there too, followed by Gang Signs. Hey, Ben, you're a big Julie Duaron fan. Yes. What's a good Julie Duaron song for us to play? Other than all of them? I don't know. What do you you have on there, though? My Um, favorite is... Me and my friend. The breakup song. The breakup song? Is it on there? I was like songwriter, but whatever. Songwriter? Okay, this is us (laughs) curating on the fly. All right, so we're going to play songwriter. Thank you, YouTube. Yes. And this is a live show oh. from the cake shop in New York City. Oh, nice. I like the cake shop. Uh-huh. 
What should you do after you go to that show? You should go eat pho. At? You have to pull up the name again. I'm sorry. It's called Thai Sun Vietnamese. And it's really good. Brenda says it's great. It's at 373 East Broadway. It's right across from the Kingsgate Mall, the liquor, liquor store side. Yeah, so just cross the street and then head to the right and you'll end up in the pho place. And it's really fresh, and when you get it, the meat's still pink, and it cooks in your bowl. That's the best way to have it. And it's super tasty. The broth is really good, and there's lots of uh, basil to put inside. So uh, we're running out of time, but uh, once again, like who, who, who's everyone on that bill, and where is it? Oh, boy, it's at the Billmore on Friday, and it's a sketch comedy with Charles and... <clears throat> with Sundays, isn't it? Sunday service. service. All, every Charlie. comedian in town will be performing. Chris, Twin River, Julie Doron, Sarah Luddy, Art, and Gang Signs. Lots, and then all those great bands. And uh, we're, we're going to go out with a song by Great Aunt Ida. Because she is playing tonight and tomorrow at Cosmic Zoo. You should check it out if you're not doing anything tonight or tomorrow. And Great Aunt Ida is somewhat a hallmark of the Vancouver local music scene. She hasn't been around for a while, but she was part of it yeah. for what, about 10 years and yeah for quite a while she's from Nyland moved here and then uh, moved away now I think she's in Detroit or something she's oh, okay visit her low rent she was in Toronto for a year or, or more but last I heard she moved away from that too and she used to work at the starfish room didn't she did she well, she she did the um, uh, the sugar refinery. Sugar refinery. There we go. <laughs> Old venue. Yes. Old historic Vancouver venue. Richards. Yeah. So you should go see her tonight or tomorrow. Um, and also to convince you to go see her is this song, which might be a bigger selling factor than where she used to work. You're right. She used to work at Shindig. from me.